Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, we have a special treat today. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know, and this is Joe Doman. Um, but we do not have Deacon John today. Uh, instead, in his place, we have the gloriously mulleton, risable Nathan Goble. Venerable. Venerable. So, Nathan, man, great to have you. Thank dude. you, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> Nathan is uh, one of the funniest guys I know. He's in my class at the seminary, and uh, so we're excited to have him on here. He's a good friend of John, uh, Deacon John and I. So, yeah, Nathan, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are? Uh, virgin and martyr. Um, just, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm from Illinois. Uh, grew up in the heartland and came out here through missionary work, and I'm in my third year of seminary. Third and a half, I guess, with Joe, and uh, we'll be ordained in 2014. So, right on, good stuff. If you're wondering what happened, uh, oh yeah, Deacon John had a little accident um, right. skiing in the mountains. Imagine that on a blue, on a blue, on, on a blue run. On it's a true. Blue run. He was. He, he told me that he uh, decided to try telemarking skiing, not telemarketing, as yeah. as his sister thought it was called, <laughs> uh, which I thought was awesome. Um, yeah, so he decided to go telemarking, which he hasn't done. I think he's done like twice. Um, went up there on a snow day. We had this is totally typical Deacon John. Yeah. We had a snow day at the seminary, and all the house fathers at our where I, where Nathan and I live say say you know uh, treat this day as a study day. Yep. Don't go skiing or anything. Um, but in John's defense, the rector of the seminary actually brought him to rent his skis. So uh, he went up skiing on a snow day and. With Total, yeah, with friend, with friend, totally wiped out. Um, and what did he do? He like tore some ligament in his ankle. Had, now he has two screws in place yep. in his ankle. So broken tibia, yeah, it's, piece of it at the bottom of his foot. But he's doing great. He has like twenty books next to his chair. I, I saw him yesterday, uh, and he's, he's being politely pampered by his mother, and they're loving it. It's yeah. actually kind of cool because he's getting ordained in like three months, yeah. and his parents have like two weeks with him at home. So they're just loving it, having this time right before he gets ordained. So anyway, keep him in your prayers. Uh, He's doing great. He had surgery yesterday, uh, totally on a lot of drugs, but still in good spirits and feeling pretty good. Percocet. Percocet. It's the golden golden pill, man. It's true. So we miss him, but we we will go on. We will march on. That's right. Celine Dion, be our patroness. I will go on. Amen. I yes. guess I'll say to that. So uh, I'm going. You're not going. I'm going this time. Why don't you process? All right. So what we're talking about today is the Catena Aurea. Gold. The golden chain. Yes. The golden chain, Catena Aurea. This is, um, for anybody who's ever studied scripture, this is like, this is gold. This is awesome. Um, what this is, this is a scripture commentary that was compiled by St. Thomas Aquinas, um, and uh, we're going to talk about why it's important and just the history behind it. This is like, if you're going to go back and study scripture, this is the this is the supplement that you want to have next to your scriptures, and yeah. we're going to talk about why. So, uh, Thomas Aquinas was a huge, great mind of the church in the 13th century, in the 1200s. He was an Italian guy, born in Sicily, and uh, in the 1300s, apparently, uh, Pope Urban IV, who was the pope at the time, commissioned Thomas to compile a source in one in one document, one volume of uh, all everything that the church fathers, church fathers of the the generations after the apostles, everything that the church fathers said about the gospels, hmm. their commentaries. Um, 
And I guess he want, what, the reason Pope Urban wanted to do this was because the preaching in the 13th century, 13th century apparently was pretty bad. Mm. So imagine that. I think we be- can relate. I think so, maybe. So the preaching sucked. Some things never change. And <laughs> the Pope was like, hey, we need, we need something to help these priests preach. Preach yeah. well, and not just preach on the Gospels, but preach about the true sense of what the Gospels are about. Yeah. And so his vision, Pope Urban's, was to have a, co- a copy of whatever this com- compilation that Thomas was going to prepare in the hands of every priest. So as he prepares for homilies and prepares to preach, he has this resource to refer to. So it's not just kind of his own theological meanderings into the world and the great unknown, but it's actually, this is what the church fathers said. This is what the men after the apostles said. So, uh, which is which is a great, huge task. I mean, yeah. the church father, and you have to think, this isn't like, you know, the 21st century where we have the internet and we can just kind of, Click right. away, like, oh, what did Tertullian say about this passage, or what did... Wikipedia. Exactly. Um, there was no Wikipedia. There was just Thomas Aquinas, and the guy was... Wiki- in- Wikipedicus. <laughs> exactly. That's that how guy was Wikipedicus. He was amazing. Um, but what he did is, uh, back then, they didn't have these manuscripts all over the place, you know, so Thomas, to get all these church fathers together, he went through line by line in the Gospels and said, you know, okay... Gospel of Matthew's first gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, what does every father say about this verse in particular? Um, and so what he would do is he had, uh, at the libraries at the time were only in universities. And some of these manuscripts from the church fathers, from Cyprian, Tertullian, Origen, Irenaeus, all these guys, they weren't just kind of like everybody had a copy. Some of them, there was only one manuscript in one library in all of Europe. And it was already checked out. And it was most likely already checked out. Um, so Thomas, this guy, talk about an incredible brain. What he would do, um, he didn't have copies of all this stuff. So whenever he went somewhere, no matter where he traveled, he would go there. First place he would go, he'd go to the chapel. And he'd kneel down before the Lord and just be with him. And then the second place he'd go, go to the library. And well, the first thing he would do there is to see what commentaries on the scriptures they had, who, what writings of the church fathers this library had. And then he'd sit down and just start reading. But he wouldn't just read. He would commit everything he read to memory. Wow. Like everything. And we know this for a fact because in the this, in this Centena Aurea, this compilation of the commentaries of the scriptures, he has quotes in there that we know. We know for a fact that he wrote this when he was in Italy. And we know for a fact that the manuscripts that he was pulling from, he didn't have. We mm. know those manuscripts were like in Paris. Most of them were at the University of Paris. So a lot of this stuff we know for a fact he didn't have, but he was quoting directly exact quotes from means he had it in his memory because he would go there and if he couldn't get his own copy of it or couldn't take the notes down he would just read it and he would commit things i mean we know this guy was a yeah. incredible mind and when he wrote this the summa theologica which is his great his great work they said he would he would write it in a room with four four scholars and he would tell one scholar what to write and he'd be talking to him and when he gave him enough information to keep him writing for a while he'd go to the next guy and he'd be working on another part of the book and he'd yeah talk to him and, and the third guy and the fourth guy and he just kind of worked the four scholars so they're always writing and the guy just like was amazing um so uh so yeah he got this thing together um and what it ends up being is uh this i think now if you get this it's like a either a four volume or an eight volume depending on who you get the publisher from but um it's called the the cent the catena aurea which is latin for golden chain mm-hmm so my question is why why what's the golden chain why why do you think he calls it that? I mean the link the link between all of the scriptures in terms of 
what each person's drawing out of and common themes, maybe, like an index? That's a good guess. But actually, you have no way to get in this because he actually didn't call it the golden chain. Fail blog. Exactly. That was a total failure. Check it out. Fail blog's pretty <laughs> hilarious. Um, the uh, He actually gave it the name uh, Expositio Continua which is basically what, what it means right. is a continual exposition. Right. Basically, he's saying this is in the foreword to the Pope when he wrote it. He said, this is going to be a continual exposition verse by verse of the entire, all four Gospels. Um, but at the time, there was a, every commentary was called Catena Patrem, the chain of the fathers. Mm. Um, that was kind of the generic name for a commentary. And so it was, this was a Catena Patrem. But after he died, Everybody had this book, uh, and they were making copies of it, and they were just like, this is incredible. This is the best commentary in the scriptures. So specific, you want it, you can get it. Whatever verse it is, what do the fathers say? Um, so they called it the Katana Aurea, the golden chain, meaning like this is the cream of the crop as far as the commentaries go. Yeah. So we don't have a lot of these old comment- these old compilations from the Middle Ages. Um, but what, what we do have passed on is this Katana Aurea uh, because this is the best. So this is awesome. Um and in the uh, 1800s, uh, we did, this was only Latin. So, and this was kind of falling away. People weren't, uh, this, these kind of fell, fell to the side a little bit. But a great man uh, took it and said, this is, this is some good stuff. Not just good stuff, but this is essential for understanding what the scriptures is about. Because let's think about this for a second. So when you talk about the scriptures, um, you know, we have this idea nowadays, that all, you know, especially Protestants, Protestants, there's this idea that you take the scriptures and if you really want to know what the scriptures are, you just you just read them and you pray with them, and the Holy Spirit will just right. give you its meaning. Yep. You know, it's like you don't really need. In fact, sometimes we shy away from, you know, some this guy's saying the scriptures are saying this thing, and this guy over here is saying the scriptures are saying something else. And um, so, what does it really mean? Well, you know, it means whatever. Oh, what it ends up boiling down to is relativism. It just means whatever right. I'm getting out of it. Yeah, sola scriptura. Exactly, and that's and that's not what the church has ever taught. But this is why the fathers are so important. The church has always pointed to the fathers to say, fathers of the church, if you want to know what is truly Catholic, what's truly the church of the church that Jesus founded, we have the scriptures, but we also go to the fathers. Because these are the men who were taught by the apostles. Yeah. Like, generation, you know, Irenaeus was taught by Polycarp, who was taught by St. John the Apostle. Yeah. St. Mark, we know, who wrote, you know, the second gospel. He was a disciple of Peter in Rome. After Peter died, where does Mark go? He goes to Alexandria, starts the church in Alexandria. So a lot of the church fathers who were from Alexandria, there are one or two generations after what the apostles and yeah. the gospel writers were saying. So what are the gospels? What's the, what's the real interpretation? And Peter even says this in his first letter. He says, you know, no, no part of scripture is a personal interpretation. I think this is important too, especially for us as you know Americans familiar with our own system, where we had an original document, and everyone could have a different interpretation of what the actual words of the document of the Constitution say. We actually have like founding fathers in terms of the Supreme Court who passed down decisions or like interpretations of the Constitution based upon different situations. And it's not we like we venerate it like the Word of God or something, but we venerate it in the sense of, oh, well, they they struggled with this and they came up with this answer, and it falls into a series of uh, uh, like a chain or or something like. That. No, that's a great analogy. I mean, it's not obviously we don't venerate it like you said as the church, but there maybe, is maybe the chur- yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe some certain maybe patriots. some people do. Yeah, Dan Vanyo, yeah, one Dan, of the guys in our. That's somewhere. what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so there's a but there is the church is a human institution and it's a divine institution. Yeah. Like and it's 100% divine. The Lord is there, the Holy Spirit is with us. But it's also 100% made up of human people who are there. Right. Um and so we we do we're guided by the Holy Spirit and we have the the apostles who I guess in your analogy would be like the constitution the gospels would be. Right. But how do we interpret them? How do we interpret the constitution? We right. have an institution that's set up to interpret this. It's not just a matter of anybody's interpretation because that's language is a limited thing. I and mean, when you talk about language, it can only go so far. There always needs to be what is this language? What's the sense that is what's the right. reality that's being conveyed right. by this language? And so you need something in in history, uh throughout history, throughout the church's history to interpret what is this saying? And that's what the church is. But the church as that institution has always to be guided itself by the Holy Spirit. Right. So always look back to the fathers. So these guys, um, it's huge. And if you, and this is what most of uh, any Protestants I talk to who I'm friends with, uh, and whenever we have theological conversations, I always ask them, well, what about, what about the fathers? You know, like you, because most Protestants don't have, uh, evangelical Protestants at least, don't believe in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And, uh, you know, because they, they say, well, where is it? It's not explicitly in the Bible. You know, maybe he says, it's a symbol, you know, this is my body, this is my right. blood. And the answer, I feel like that is makes a lot of sense, is, well, what did the what did the early Christians think it was? Right. You know, because the Gospel of John was written in, me and John, uh, Deacon John talked about this, was written in uh, the 90s. So by the time that was written, Christianity had already, had already been around for about 60 years. Yeah. So when, they're, when he's writing this Gospel, who are the people listening that he's writing the Gospel to? We know that in the in the early second century, that every there is a, a unanimous across the board. All the church fathers believe in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So, yeah, and we take we take some of our fundamental you know parts of our faith from the fathers. I mean, we're we're both in Trinity class together, and you know they're grappling with this mystery of of you know how how do you distinguish the the Trinity or how do you pull the Trinity from the Scriptures, which has kind of veiled references. To this, you know, this mystery, um, and then they gave words to it in many ways, trepidly, um, trepidatiously. Um, but then, at, at some point, we were like, "Oh yeah, okay." And then we're moving forward from that definition or or that understanding onwards. Um, and essentially, um, it seems like Thomas has kind of pulled them all together into exactly because this is, I mean, that, that's they they see they all saw the value in this. Yeah. So Thomas is going and saying. Hey, you know we can we can compile this all. And Thomas was the one to do it. And because some of the stuff you read in this and the Catena, and it's like he's not just quoting from you know say Irenaeus. He's not just saying oh Irenaeus has this commentary on all the Gospels, and I'm just taking his commentary and this guy's commentary and this guy's commentary, and then mixing them all together. Some of the stuff he quotes isn't from a commentary. It's from like some homily that's about some broader subject where he mentions a part of Scripture and talks about it in this way. Thomas has all these homilies in his head. Like it's just crazy that the knowledge is. It's not like he searched on a computer and said, yeah. "Oh, where does he mention this word?" He had this on his head, so he could pull out from these obscure homilies that are about some other subject what one of the fathers says about this thing and put it in this collection. So it's a hugely valuable resource, um, and it's available now. I, did I mention about Paul Newman or Paul Newman? Oh, no, yeah, John Newman. We're sponsored by him, salad dressings and such. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Newman. God rest his soul. That's right. Um, John Newman. Cardinal, uh, blessed Cardinal John. Henry. Blessed John Henry. There's so many names. Right. John Henry Cardinal Newman. B-J-C-H. If you will. Uh, he saw this and was like, hey, this is great. So he actually had the original translation into English for all English speakers, uh, English-speaking preachers and anybody who wants to study scripture. 
Uh, so we're thankful for him for that. And now it's actually available. You can get the, it's like 130 bucks, which I think is like nothing for golden, golden, worth its weight in gold. Eight volumes or four volumes, depending on the publisher of everything the church father said do you have that on your ipod or whatever yeah oh yeah if you can't afford 830 dollars if you have a uh any phone that has apps on it you can buy it for like three dollars with everything wow. else i i have this so there's this app out there called ipieta i don't know who created this thing but i think it was like it might be divinely inspired yeah when i got this i was like i don't know how i expected to get to heaven without this without <laughs> this i'm just kidding that's that's totally a joke but um on this thing there's like I mean, you have the whole Bible, you have the whole uh, the whole calendar for the liturgical year, but then you have like just all sorts of stuff, like the Baltimore Catechism, a ton of stuff that all the saints wrote, like everything John Vianney wrote, uh, Story of His Soul, and all oh, everything, like... a ton of different saints, all the great spiritual classics, and then the whole Summa Theologica, the whole Catena is on there. Um, Recipes from St. Martha. Everything you'd want. Wow. Exactly. Baba Ganoush. It is awesome. So, I Pieta great resource there you go better resource katana aria that's right if you want to learn about the scriptures great thing to have if your priest doesn't have it be like hey merry christmas this is a great gift from the parish to you three dollar app <laughs> three dollar app right on so i think that's all i got man all right saint thomas patron saint of cyborgs apparently so pray for us yeah. yes and all and all encyclopedias um i don't have any emails with us today that's all right um but in replacement of that uh, there is a particular man out there who emailed me uh who had helped us with some computer issues that we were having. And he is also an author. Um, he said, hey, as, as payback for helping you, I want you to plug my plug the books I've been working on. Um, and this is actually, this person is my brother. He's an author. And him and my sister are both working on these things with a group of people. John Paul Too High um, is the book series. Awesome. It's a Catholic book series for Catholic teens. Young adults, yeah. Yeah, young adults. It's about a high school group. I... I'm working on the third book. I'm reading it right now, uh, as uh, my brother requested me to do. I'm helping him out with some theological, I don't know, editing, I guess. Right. Catholic Uh, Twilight. But John Paul II High, check it out. It's pretty awesome. I'm impressed with it. There's three books in this, or two books published so far. So that's all I got. Pray for Deacon John. That's right. uh, Thanks for listening. If you have any comments, uh, questions, insults, concerns, whatever, we want to hear them, or any cool stories. You can email us at catholicpodcast.com and check us out on Facebook, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. See ya. Peace.